Now let's keep the mood up because there's a lot of grittiness and crime this week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. It's an all-star cast of badass ladies in the kitchen. Times change. You do what you gotta do. Some kids. Most employers don't want mothers. It's a competitive market. They don't know me. Dirty cops up to dirty deeds and dragged across concrete. You're losing perspective and compassion. There's a reason. I'm sitting behind this desk running things. And you're out there with a partner that's 20 years younger than you. Hey, Anthony's got a mouth with his own engine, but he's solid. I'm thinking about the kind of future I can offer my girlfriend. Pops is a yesterday who ain't worth words. Good heavens and praise be to him. Your absence was a weight upon us. Thank you, Mr. Edmonton. I don't like doing things with so many question marks everywhere. The amazing performance you've never seen in Amazing Grace. And an Australian revenge tale in The Nightingale. Get me to the soldiers that came by this morning. It's too dangerous. Up north, they kill us. You sure you want to follow him? That's this week on The Cinema Crew. Hello and welcome to The Cinema Crew, the podcast that talks new movies every week. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me as always is Vary McIntyre. Hello. And back after a couple of weeks off for this week is Dan Miranda. Hello. Now your chance to win a gold class double pass coming up just a little later on, but first. This is the Irish mob, organized crime. We're gonna take care of you. You girls are gonna be just fine. We got no money. Can't even make the rent with what they gave me last night. They didn't want me in the family in the first place. 40 years we pay protection and we don't get nothing for it. They have been telling us forever that we are never gonna do anything but have babies. Bunch of men that have forgotten what family means. So we remind them. Hell's Kitchen has long been a breeding ground for films about organized crime, thanks to its long and bloody history. The new film, The Kitchen, by straight out of Compton screenwriter Andrea Burloff, seems to be offering a mob story with a compelling difference. Dan, what is that? That difference is it's female. (laughs) (laughs) No, this film is set in the mid-70s, and it's about three separate women who... All their husbands have been involved in the crime wars of, you know, the time. And unfortunately, they are caught by the cops and go to jail. And these poor women have no means to survive with their families. And a lot of their lives up until this point are pretty miserable. And the story plays out how are they to sustain themselves. Without their husbands. With ill-gotten gains. Ooh, not by cooking in the kitchen like <laughs> I thought the title meant. <laughs> Which might be a nod to the feminist tones of this because mm. women are supposed to be in the kitchen, uh, but these women are not. They are in Hell's Kitchen and they sort of take over the crime syndicate of protecting the local community. And obviously to the chagrin of all of the males, like some female isn't going to take mm. over the company, what do you call it? The mob? The mob. <laughs> the <And> company. <laughs> well, I guess it is. There's a hierarchy. People get paid. Yep. And these women are really good at it because they are smart and they know how to talk to people. 
and they're doing a really good job, but then obviously it gets the attention of all the other mobs because it is a very small place and they are in the Irish quarter, I guess. Hell's Kitchen was all the Irish immigrants and then we've got the Jewish section, we've got the Italians over the bridge and all of these people and they've got to like work with them and it gets very dangerous even against their own members. The whole industry, if that's what you want to call it, is... <laughs> Pretty much like a chess game, like, you know, mm. who's got the bigger balls? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, and it, it, it's interesting to to see, you know, such, um, like, I think all these actresses are so accomplished. You've got Tiffany Haddish, Elizabeth Moss, and, of course, Melissa McCarthy. And I think all three of them bring it in this film. And I particularly mm. love whenever Melissa McCarthy is doing real serious yeah. acting. Yeah. She's really good. She does her serious acting better than comedy, in my opinion. So good, in fact, that when she does go serious, she gets nominated for Academy Awards. Yep. Mm. This ticks a couple of boxes for me. Mm. Crime film, you know I'm into those. Yep. Also based on a comic. How can I lose? Yeah. So this is based on a comic from uh, DC Vertigo. And the word Vertigo is important because that's their comic lines that are not about superheroes. They're uh. about crime, normally. Uh, so I'm a uh, in the in the like early 2000s. I was a huge DC Vertigo fan, mm. and when I saw the poster and I saw it was called The Kitchen, I was almost like, "That's so coincidental." It's like that comic book, <laughs> The Kitchen. And it wasn't until I saw the trailer a couple of weeks later, where the big DC Vertigo logo was on, mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, they've done it!" it it's more of a technically, if you want to get pretentious, a graphic novel. You know, it's, yeah. it's meant to be read like manga or something. Um, not so much manga is more um uh, Japanese, but. Oh. Uh, it's meant to be read like a, like a novel is. You know, sure. you don't read it week to week like you would a superhero comic. But I think it's cool that they're adapting comic book properties that aren't always just superheroes. Yeah, but you know what? I was thinking they could have leaned more into that comic book aspect. If that's the point of difference to this movie, to me, was that it was by DC. And I thought that was really strange. That doesn't look like something that they do. <laughs> but comic books like Sin City can be made into a very different, interesting movie. And how cool would it have been to see something maybe not as extreme as Sin City, but like a widow's type of Sin City, that those elements to it, they could have leaned into it. But I think they were trying to go for a prestige film feel and it didn't quite achieve that for me. I think what you had said earlier, Vairi, is that this film has good bones Mm. and that is so evident because – it's got everything going for it, but just if you had tweaked it to the left a little bit more, this film would have shone. So this is Andre Berloff's first feature film as a director. Mm. She's been a screenwriter for a long time. How do you think she handled the transition between screenwriter of still admittedly pretty gritty crime mm. films to director? I think she upheld my attention throughout the whole film. Although the shots didn't seem very interesting in the ways that they're innovative, I was compelled the entire time and the two hours went without me even thinking about it. (laughs) It was Melissa McCarthy that really held it together for me. She did such a good job. So apart from fans of the obscure DC offshoots like myself, who else do you think should see The Kitchen? I think fans of crime dramas and particularly anyone who loves these three actresses in any aspect because whether or not you prefer them in comedy or, you know, what they're known for, you should really appreciate the work that they're, you know, propelling their careers into. It really reminds me of the Netflix series Good Girls. It's about three women who are just sort of pushed into the life of crime. 
they didn't want to get into it, but they sort of just get wrapped up in these situations and they have to keep going with it. But they're doing a really good job. <laughs> and that I appreciate. Start the party. This is a bad idea. It's all kind of candy. have the skills and the right to acquire proper compensation. Dirty cops are nothing new in movies. In fact, it's almost a genre within itself at this point. However, Dragged Across Concrete has had a longer than normal trip to the big screen. Filmed back in 2017, it played the festival circuit and caused some disagreements between the director and the studio. Well, now after the long road to the big screen, Dan, was it worth the wait? It was not worth the wait. Um, <laughs> this is a very long film for what it achieves. Basically, we've got two downtrodden cop. One is played by Mel Gibson, the other by Vince Vaughn. Obviously, different age gaps. Mel Gibson's character, Brett Ridgman, has been with the force in the same position for, I think, up to 30 years, mm. not moving in any direction. And he's just, you know, done his work lives in a, a poor neighbourhood supporting his wife and daughter and watching other people climb the corporate ladder. And after accidentally in a high situation being caught on camera by a civilian, their treatment of the... Uh, <laughs> the minorities? The minorities it doesn't go down too well and they are therefore suspended for a couple of weeks. And in that time, this is where his frustration with his life and his position really uh, forces him to break some laws. Okay. This is not my favourite film. Um, and I had a very lengthy conversation with the people that I did see it with because they were shocked at how shocked I was when I came out. <laughs> and to be and fair, it is a shocking film in many ways, which we'll get to a little later on. I think I've calmed down enough now to express myself in a more congenial way. So mm. I will say, for one, what I did like is that yes. it wasn't naturalistic in the way that the dialogue was delivered. It sounded like a play and that might put some people off, but I appreciated the point of difference that they were trying to make in the, I guess, the director's decision, the writer's decision to construct the narrative in this sort of very calm paced way. And yeah, it sort of drags out. I never felt like it went on for too long. But, and other people may not agree with me, but I thought it was just racist. And it films can be racist, obviously, with characters, but it has to address them or at least challenge them. And it has to take a position of one way or the other and tell something to the audience about it, whether they agree with it or not. And this film just sort of lays situations out and lets the audience come up with their own decision. And I think a film needs to take a stand and this one didn't. And so I felt like they were just presenting racism and it could be construed as that's okay. Vari, you're going to hate this. <laughs> I really like this movie. <laughs> I really? Um, because uh, 
like, I've got a couple of things I need to get up, like out of the way. Mm. Um, you, you're right. It's a very cynical, nasty film. Ooh. And in fact, if the name dragged across concrete puts you off, don't watch it. No. Because <laughs> it's very much the, that name of movies. Like it makes you uncomfortable. But I'm the opposite. I like it when a film doesn't tell me how to think. Because I, I like the idea that they're like, look, these people are kind of horrible. And mm. all of the characters in this, especially the main two, are bad people. And oh, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's, let's say, inspired casting to put Mel Gibson as a man who was outed for mm. secretly being filmed on a racist tyrant, which is what happened to him mm. in real life. Um, but I kind of like films that challenge me. Yeah. And this film challenged the hell out of me because there's so much I did disagree with, but I appreciated that they kind of were unapologetic about it as well. And the other advantage I would say that maybe I had is the director S. Craig Zala. He made two other films, one called Bone Tomahawk and one called uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99. And Ooh. because I've seen those films, I know what his films are like. And his films are brutal, like absolutely brutal. They're nihilistic. They're cynical. They're really challenging. But I think I had the advantage of knowing that before watching the film, which if you don't have that mindset of this film's going to really kind of go against everything that you fundamentally agree yes. with then it's really going to like rip the carpet out from under you. I don't mind brutal films. I don't mind when films challenge you. But there were so many instances that I could pick out and I could go on but I won't that <laughs> presented something to the audience that was in a racist or a sexist way and the only way that I could say it challenged you was it challenged me because it was so uncomfortable to watch. I don't know what it is, but it's so un like unique in the in the sense that like it's morally bankrupt mm. and it's backwards and it's it's so mean spirited. But I did walk out being like, I tell you what, I haven't seen any other film this year that gave me such a reaction to dragged across concrete. Mm. But maybe it it is because we aren't racist. And what if a racist watches this and goes, <laughs> yeah, that's a really good film because all black people are criminals. There, there, there exist scenes, and I'm saying scenes multiple, to introduce you to characters, <laughs> my make you sympathize with characters, just to harm them in the most horrible way so you feel worse about it. Am I bad because I know which scene you're talking about and actually that was my favourite part of the whole film? My, I, I agree with you because my mouth was so wide open. Yes. I was like, oh, my God, why would they do that? Why would they do that? So Vari not on board. I liked it. Dan was somewhere kind of in the middle. But it's going to be a difficult question. Who do you think should see this Why film? are you asking me this? Um, this is for fans of crime films that aren't scared of a little bit of blood. If you want to sit through 159 minutes of raw <laughs> violence, go for your life. <laughs> you know what it's like to have a white fella take everything you have, don't you? To buy my love a sword of state. What's your name again? Claire. I'm not your boy. I'm Mangana, the blackbird. I wish, I wish, I wish in vain. You white ones go fast, fast, fast. Get nowhere. I go slow. I wish 
I had my love again. Forget the bird who thought she was going to die out there in the forest. Director Jennifer Kent made a real splash a few years back with her first feature film, Horror, The Babadook, managing to bag herself a handful of awards in the process. While it seems the darkness hasn't left her, as her new film, The Nightingale, may not be a horror strictly, but it's still a bleak little Australian story. Vari, what is it about? Oh, yeah. We are getting quite a taste of Irish immigrant films today. (laughs) Um, This one is set in 1825, colonial Tasmania, and Claire, who's an Irish convict, sets out to get revenge on an English army officer who slaughtered her family. So she enlists the help of an Indigenous tracker called Billy, who's laden with his own traumas, and as the pair struggle through the wilderness, they start to form this close connection. So, weirdly, it's an unlikely friendship road trip movie, but set against um, the traumas of Australian colonialism and violence against women. This is true, Vairi. It is very uh, violent film. And mm-hmm. I do, I know many people actually in the first half hour have, have left to not continue the rest, which I think yeah. is. It's a very uh, awkward, uncomfortable scene to sit through for many viewers, but the beauty in this film actually comes after that scene and I think it, it redeems itself from the trauma of that first act, so to speak. It's a bold move yeah. to put something so offsetting so early in your movie. Absolutely. To really yeah. set the scene of like, man, get ready to be bummed out. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is very traumatic. So if you have perhaps had some PTSD with violence or assault trigger warning on this one but if you are okay with that the rest of the film is so worth it and I think what was different about this is we have a female director and it is so uncomfortable because she really gets you inside the character and what she's going through what Claire is going through herself so you feel like it's happening to you and that might be very traumatic and uncomfortable for the audience but then the payoff of the revenge story is so much better because you are really rooting for this character to get her revenge and go after this army officer. So who do you think should see The Nightingale? Personally, I felt a little guilty after watching this film because it just shows uh, the colonialism of Australia and how much we have done to the native people of this country. And I think anyone who lives in Australia should see this film, obviously, Pending their age. Yes. 18 plus. And, and tolerance to violence. And tolerance to violence, absolutely. I really, really loved this film. And despite being very traumatized by the beginning of it, the rest of the film is such a good payoff and it's just shot so beautifully. The acting is amazing. I really encourage a lot of people to see this film. Also, still in cinemas, Angel Has Fallen. The threequel of the Gerald Butler series. Olympus Has Fallen. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Quentin Tarantino's ninth film. Yes, to hear about both of those films, and in fact everything that's in cinemas right now, you can access that via our back catalogue, which you can get through whichever podcast app you like. Now the young lady that we've all been waiting to hear, she can sing anything. Anything. My sister, Miss Aretha Franklin. 
Now to something a little more uplifting, but in limited release this week. The power of Aretha Franklin's voice is something that has stood the test of time. Unlike Apollo 11 earlier this year, we're seeing an assemblance of old, never-before-seen footage to tell a story long thought lost. Vari, what is that story? Yeah, this one is a documentary that presents Aretha Franklin with a choir when she was singing at this Baptist church in Los Angeles in 1972. It was shot by Sidney Pollack, who was hired to film the performance, but he didn't have any experience doing these sorts of films, so there were so many technical difficulties with it that it never actually got aired. So people have made a lot of effort to put this one (laughs) together and present it in its most original form. They only did a moderate amount of restoration on the film to present it how it should have been done back then. Yeah, and it is from start to finish a concert, and it's a gospel concert as well. Mm. And I think that's important to know because, you know, gospel not necessarily everyone's favourite genre of music, but my favourite fact about why this footage was lost is because, you're right, the director's inexperienced live performance, um, he forgot to slate at the start, which is if you've ever seen the people with the clapperboards and they clap, that's so you can sync what's on screen to what's what your audio is. He forgot to do that. And he didn't realize until about halfway through day two, because it's filmed over two days, mm. that he hadn't done it. And he's just like, how am I ever going to sync all wow. of this footage up to all of this yes. music? And it's taken so many years for someone to be like, fine, I'll finally do it. And now there's programs that do it for you. But I love the idea that in day two, he's like, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> I've completely messed this up. Aretha, why? <laughs> yeah, there's so much history to the actual film, the making of it, the people in it. It's just really interesting. I liked that they actually tried to fix their mistakes and they got people to come in and try and lip read so they could dub <laughs> extra um sound over it and they just couldn't line anything up. I didn't know what to expect from this film because concert films aren't actually my favorite genre of film. Um, And we've had a couple over the years. I know we had like the Muse uh, drones live tour and stuff like that. Mm. But this is so interesting because what you were saying before is it is presented exactly like a time capsule Mm. of that period. And it like, I mean, Aretha Franklin is great and her voice is amazing. And even though I'm not a religious guy, gospel music is so cheerful and Mm. fun and I I do kind of enjoy it. But even just like little things, like at one point they kind of like whip around the room and Mick Jagger is just standing there kind of dancing along. Like, oh my God, that's Mick Jagger. Like, but it's so nonchalant because that was just, you know, yeah, yeah, he's in the music scene. He went along. Mm. There's so many little nuggets like that in the film where you're like, oh my God, that is so cool. And like, it's so perfectly encapsulated. To, this is going to be a really weird parallel, so go with me here. There's a film a couple of years ago called Boyhood, filmed over 12 years yeah. as a boy grew up. And what was so good about that film is because they filmed the scenes where he was 10 in like 2001, mm. it was like a time capsule of 2001. You're like, oh, people were wearing that T-shirt a lot. Yes. People were listening to this music a lot. And it's so much of that where because it was filmed there and it's not been that restored uh, visually, I mean, mm. obviously it sounds great. It's so cool to see exactly what that period in the 70s looked like. I think that's why I really enjoyed the last few documentaries, like we talked about Apollo 11 and Mm. Diego Maradona, is these documentary films that are coming out don't feel like sitting interviews. You feel like you're a part of the time. You're experiencing what's going on at that time, and I feel like this is no exception. So who do you think should see Amazing Grace? Oh, obviously, if you love Aretha Franklin and her music, 
because it is just a concert of her and, like, when do you get that opportunity? <laughs> now your chance to win a Gold Class double pass, simply head to the Village Cinema's Facebook or Instagram page, find this Cinema Crew post and answer the question, what is your favourite crime film? Well, there's a whole genre to pick from there, so I want to see, like, I want to see a lot of different arguments in the comments. Simply leave your comment with the hashtag the Cinema Crew for your chance to win. Next week, Pennywise returns in It Chapter 2. More kick-ass ladies in Anna. And Awkwafina has some family dramas in The Farewell. But until next time, thank you, Bari. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. I am Cambo, and this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.